Welcome to What Happens in His House Stays in His House, Strength Over Silence podcast. I am your host, Tammy Montgomery Dozier. Once again, thank you for listening. I am very, very excited this week. I have the infamous Reverend Charles Deloach. Please say hello to everyone, Rev. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good, good. good. (laughs) Good. So the audience don't know who you are. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Charles Deloach, Charlie, Chucky. I I got so many names. I'm a member of the spa theater group and spa group. I'm I'm a member, do a lot of plays. I've done a lot of plays with spa, as with Tammy. I've been in uh, probably the most popular one I've been in for myself was the Marvin Gaye story. I'm a father of... Four children, also grandfathers. I'm a avid workout workoutaholic. Uh, <laughs> I love writing, art. I love you know uh, positive things for the culture, and so I think that's about it. I mean, that's anything else you want to know? No, no. <laughs> I think you 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 have you have a lot going on and much more. But I I do want to get into some stuff about you. I know that you are a minister. So how long have you been in the ministry? Close to thirty years. Oh wow. Yep. Was it something that you always knew that you wanted to do or it just happened one day and it just overcame you, you know, that that was your calling? A little bit of both. I didn't I, I didn't really seek to be a minister, but I but when I was a kid though, I used to see signs that 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 and looking back in reference, it makes me know that that's what I was destined to do when I look back in retrospect. Uh-huh. I used to see it, and, and, and I didn't know what I was seeing. And now it makes more sense. Actually, I was out in the streets doing my thing, mm-hmm. and I got snatched up by the Lord. That's, that's if I can put it uh, plainly. I was doing my drinking and, and partying and, and womanizing, and mm-hmm. I got sat. I, I really, I literally got sat down by God and said, "This is what you're going to be doing." And I, I, you know, not. I mean, he, he, you know, he said, "You know, things happen." events and I knew he, he called me at that point. Did you ever see people after that and be like, they can't believe that you changed or whatever, knowing you from back then to what you are now? Absolutely. One of my best friends, well, well actually one of my best friends when I first did it, he he's like, man, this, this can't be happening. This ain't true. <laughs> and, and for, for a long time, well, we, we haven't really you know hung out since that day. Oh, wow. Know? Yeah. Because we, he was one of the guys I was out there with. Even people now, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're a little surprised. Because I, was, even though you know, I had my state on the streets and, and, and with the wild stuff. Before then, I was a staunch introvert. I, I was okay. You know, I, I came out uh, in my adulthood almost, pretty much. Oh. I started blossoming in, uh, after I got out of high school and came out with a with a bang. So yeah, a lot of people due to my introvert. Being an introvert, and then actually after that, get into the party and get into a hard both on both sides of the table. People, you know, really didn't believe. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. So, like with everything now, I was watching the. Um, I don't know if you saw the last Stella Awards, and I was not watching the Stella Awards now, and from where, and then thinking about how it was back then. Do you think that we have moved into a better way of doing things, or do you think we still need some of that old school? Because 
because at one point when I was watching it, it was almost one of those things. It was, it's hard to tell the videos between the worldly videos and the Christian videos. I even know some people that were watching like, whoa, what? and they don't go to church. They, they couldn't tell the difference either. So do you think that we've conformed or do you think that we're on the right track to get the young people in? What do you think about that? I think it's a little bit of both. Some people go overboard and conformly. And so it's, I think it's all right to assimilate and to get in there and to, because some people you're not going to hit with the with the hundred percent gospel. Paul says you got to be all things, and so you, I think to a certain point you can't just stay old school and, and think you're going to get everybody because you're not. Right. I think there has to be a part of where they can you know they can latch on to, but without going too far, without being them a hundred percent. I think we can't. You know we you know we have to uh, conform just a little bit. But not, I mean, I, I, I like like groups like Commission and all right. those guys. They were hitting it with music that really hit the windings and all that. Yes, and uh, even some now, Dietrich Haddon, some of those guys, they they have the music that that transcends. But yes, then you got to know that it's. Got, I think you still have to know, and I think you can be subtle. You know, you can be subtle, and then people it'll still hit people. You know, yeah, I like, think you don't have to go one hundred percent. So I, I do believe that there's a certain point that you can't go over, even though you have to hit them. And I think it's like deep cut. You know, you go undercover. You know, they they show these movies with cops going undercover, and there's a certain point that they can go. They they have to go part. I mean, going to before they become a criminal themselves. That's true. You can't become that criminal. You have to get to that point. And the gospel is, is the same way. You have to get to the point where you're not worldly, but you you hit in the world. That's what I think. Right, because I like Jonathan. His Jonathan McReynolds. His music is not traditional gospel, but I like it because he he's in that genre. What I like the kind of neo soul on the other side. So I do see what you're saying, and that you don't have to go all the way because you can still reach everybody, but some of them just go a little bit cross the line, just a little bit too much. So my question to you now, I know a lot of people, like with everything going on with the looting and the rioting, I know that you're into activism. And, what, and I think the younger generation don't, does not realize that in the church, that's when a lot of it, that's where a lot of it began, where we got together in church and we had those meetings about getting out there. Do you think that we're no longer structured in that way where the church meant so much? to activism and getting out there creating change? Do you think that we are as organized as we were back from back then? I don't think we are. We're definitely not as organized, but and, and, and like I said, that's not speaking for all churches. There's a lot of the church that's in it. But mm-hmm. to the fact that back in the day, church was an essential, you know, to, to most of our, our, our culture, it was essential. You, you had to go to church. Mm-hmm. So back then, you heard because you were there. These days, church is not essential, and we, we're, we're diluting. It's getting far away to where, you know, my sons, they had to go to church. Mm-hmm. You know, they, when they when I leave out, they were going. And even to this day, they're adults. If they're in here, you know, they know I'm going to be checking, hey, man, you, hey, what you doing? We can't stop to go to church. You know, sometimes they got to work, and, you know, I try to tell them, to work, you know, well, try to tell them you don't, you don't work on Sundays. But sometimes, you know, they do. Now, you know, we're having the COVID thing, and they, they so sometimes, I, you know, I'm a little more lax. But the, the point is, we're not in the church like we used to be. Yeah. We had we were in there, so you, you the church was a meeting ground for the black hope. And the yes. more the more we're getting away from that, the more 
you know, because there was no other places where they could meet. And it started in the slavery days and they kept going up that you can go to church and they think you're having church, but you're meeting also. And yes. so now, now that's not happening. And so that's the point. You don't have to. Now we can be open and out there so people ain't coming to church. It's not a necessity as it used to be. Yeah. You know, that's what I see. So, you know, and it's because the generation, as we get to another generation, they're moving away. Yeah, that, that is very true. So I see you out there marching and doing your thing out there. What advice do you have for people about that? Because I, I know that you you are an activist and you do believe in change and you do believe that the, there can be a brighter day for everyone. I do see you out there. So what message do you have to people? I believe we can't never stop. You know, a lot of people have a problem with the Black Lives Movement and all that because, you know, how many things are latched to it. But my thing is, if if somebody has to be out there, you know, so if you got a problem with it, then you ought to start something that that else, you know, makes sure you out there. But we need to get people out there. And it's, it's, it's effective because it's even an effective in media, sports and TV, everybody, commercials are dealing with this. So, it, it is being effective. So I believe we got to not stop. I grew up, I grew up, I was alive when, when Martin Luther King got killed. You know, I, I felt that, you know, and we were, we, it was a wave of mourning throughout our community. And so since I felt that, it, it, it's always been in my heart. I actually experienced that racism where I, when I went to, down south, I couldn't drink out the water fountain. Mm. And people, my, 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 Cousins would stop me. No, you can't do that. Or we can go in certain places. I experienced that. Mm-hmm. So since I experienced it, it's in my heart that I know what it's about. My thing is we have to keep going because, you know, it's it's our, not only us, but it's our, the generations that follow us. So, yeah, to me, it's, it's a passion. It's always been a passion. It, it, mm-hmm. it, was, it never was a time when it was. So I know you're talking about your three boys. When did you have the talk with them? Because most most black fathers have to have that talk with their sons about racism. And you mentioned about what all you had to go through. When did you have to talk to them about that? I talked to them when they got close to their teenage years about it because I knew they, they would be going out more. Mm-hmm. I knew that uh, they would be hitting the streets and I knew that they would encounter encounter it so but i you know early on though even before that when they were little kids i would show them like the whatever that cartoon was about martin luther king when a boy went back in, in time and met martin young martin uh-huh. i would show them shows like that so they got an understanding early on i would show them roots and explain it to them mm-hmm. i would show them all those shows and they they got an understanding when they were little kids first of all that it was such a thing and then as they got older and was getting ready to go out in the world, I would then put in their heads, like when, they, when preteen, hey, man, this is the kind of world we live in, and this is what you got to watch out for. And the sad, you know, I explained to them. So I, did, I, I told them preteen, but I prepared them with little show, you know, movies and about the situation even back in the day. And I made them watch PBS Civil Rights Documentary. Okay. Yep. Okay, good, good. So, what, 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 again, what you have in the three signs and the th- things that have happened with George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, Tamir Rice, Botham Jean, you know, just to name a few names. How does this affect your everyday life as well as your sons? Just well, every it affects, day. It affects mine. And, and even before this happened to both and Jean and all those guys, it, you know, this, this has been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've always had this in my mind that this could happen. 
you know, especially going back to Rodney King and all that. So I've always, you know, when my kids leave out the door, I'm always, you know, prayerful. I'm always thinking, you know, telling them to be careful. And, and you know, that I had that in my heart that, you know, this is a time where we even just walk out the door and they don't have to do anything wrong if something can happen to them. So it's always affecting yeah. me. And that is, you know, the talk, you know, I had to talk with them, you know, you know, and they, you know, they took it in well, but I had, I had to have it to them and I still have it to them. Even to this day, every time I talk, my son was here yesterday, my oldest son, and my middle son, we were watching football and then my son was going back home. He lives in the city now. And I said, hey, let me call me when you get home. I always, no matter when they, whenever they come here, when they leave, I say, call me when you come home, get home. You know, so it affects me because I know that they're they're, they're subject to this form of racism, and I and you know I know that they're they're subject to you know be one of those victims, you know. And I pray that they're not. And I pray for, for the Lord to cover them, but I do understand that that is the case. So it's an anxiety that you always have. And yeah, my son in Mississippi. Sure. He's my son's in Jackson, Mississippi, one of the most <laughs> Mississippi yeah. one of the more racist states in the world. And that to me, you know, you know, I, I you know, I have to deal with it, but I still I'm still, you know, have a, this little bit of apprehension all the time about what could happen, you know. So yeah. I went I went to school at Jackson in Jackson, and I remember the Ku Klux Klan had a rally and a meeting, and that was like about almost 30 years ago. So nothing has changed. I just think that now it's just being recorded. I think it's just as bad, but it's just being caught now because everybody had gotten so lax with doing it and never getting caught. And right. now they don't know how to change and make it different because they, they have been doing this for so long. And I think some people are racist and don't even realize that they are as racist as they are. It's That's just true. so normal for them. Yeah. Now, That's you know, true. we have we have all this outcry about the defund the police. And I think some people may think that meaning defund the police meaning get rid of police. But I think it's more or less them letting some go and just having more social programs. Do you think that that is a solution? Or do you think that we just need to go out there and possibly retrain and get the and weed the bad ones out? I think that, uh, first of all, it has to be psychological and deeper background checks for policemen because some of them come from racist environments. Some of them are just come in ready to just kill somebody. That's that's that thing. But I also think the accountability factor is is, is, is on their end. It's on the, the those that the powers that be in charge of the police. There has to be a greater responsibility on them. And then they have to be held more accountable for what they do for their actions. So if they do something, it has to be more instead of just a slap on the wrist. And then not only that, but even in uh, legislation and in courts, mm-hmm. when you know they're getting off, they always get off. Somehow they, you know, they they get the benefit of the doubt. Those things have to be fixed in the, in the institutional. And then the other thing is, like I said, is they have to be to the point where the cameras are a necessity, and they cannot take them off. They cannot touch them. Yes. You know, so those things, the changes, defunding, what what defunding really means is taking away their things. They're, they're not getting rid of them, but it means their ability to, to buy tanks and buy weapons. Yeah. They're able to buy military weapons and stuff like that. That's, the, that's what defunding really means is going at that. That's what is stopping, not stopping them from 
being policemen and having guns, right. but it stops them from going overboard and, and, and focusing on killing people with which, what they do. They, you know, they focus on buying these mass, they got mass weapons of destruction for the police. And then they, they get, you know, it gets you in that, that mode. So the train to kill, that's the problem. They kill. They have to be held accountable if they overboard. And that's what, that's what I think. Yeah. And I saw, did you see what these uh, two officers that got shot in California? Uh-huh. And the anger of the people. I had never seen that before. They were so angry. They wouldn't even let the uh, ambulance get in to try to save these officers. So now it's like a us and them. But I don't yeah. think people realize, what about if something happens to you and your family? Who are you going to call? Right. Well, I think you have to have police. But like I said, they have to get it right. They, you know, it's going right. to be a process. It's not going to happen overnight. I think the thing that happened in, in California was, you know what? People are getting tired of, 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 you know, I think what happens is the bad cops are making it bad for the good cops. That is very true. Now, every you know, especially black people, they see policemen as their enemy because they policemen are they're putting that. That's what they they appear to be. They're they're putting up they're fostering that image, and so when they foster that image, you said it. You make it dangerous for those guys like those guys in in California. That's so, probably you know, and, and, and sad fact is it, it's probably going to keep happening because people are getting angry and looking for ways to get back. And when they courts are. let them go courts are letting them get free with that stuff then people are like well hey you know we got to make a stand and, and that's 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 what what you know that's where it's going to and now it's going to be like a civil war between yes. police and the community and but they're making it they're causing that because when they go overboard do the things that they do you know it's crazy yeah, like with the looting and everything and people and then people talking about protests in the right way. I don't think there's really a right way to protest because when you most of the time you're not protesting because you're happy with everything. Most of the time you're protesting because you're angry. And I think people are just fed up with everything. I think so, too. And I think uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, we, we, we are right with the peaceful protests, but this is this right and looting. But back in the 60s, they rioted it and they looted. Yes, and, and they did it because, you know, what it does, it makes an economic pain to, to towards the situation. So now you got to, the government has to fund and put money back into that where places are torn down. And so people are doing it because you ain't listen to me when I'm, I'm marching peacefully. You still shoot and killing me. So yes. if I do this, it's cause, it's, you know, it, then it's it's, cost, it's costing you more, and so that's what people get it. Now you got some clowns just going out to get them for something free, but you right. got some people that are trying to manifest the point. And yep. I think the government needs to know that you know we stop the unrest and start start doing something about this situation that started it. That's true. And even back in the day, fifties oh, and sixties, when they were out there protesting, that wasn't peaceful. They were getting bit by dogs and <laughs> all these other things. Fire so holes. they might have right fire hoses. So they may have been out there walking peacefully, but the people around them were not peaceful. Right. And, so, and that's, that's the yeah. same way now. It's just hidden. They they you know they sneak and do it. They can't do it on film like they did then. Back then, they could do it and get away with it. Those policemen. Bull O'Connor and all those guys, they can get away with that and do it. And what that's going to happen to them? That's true. Yep. 
That is very true. And going back a little bit to the church and with everything that's going on, how do you think the mental health is of our of our people with everything that's going on with the COVID nineteen with the rioting? What do you think? I uh, do you think that people need church and God more than ever with everything that's going on in their mental uh, health? I I do, I do. You know, like I said, well, you know, personally, I you know that it certainly helps me. And, I, you know, God is real, you know. And so when I come to God, you know, you know, I, I don't have the fear that I would have. Even though I don't have the fear, you know, because I got I got him. There's still, and you know, we don't understand that there's still a, a built-up anxiety in all of us. I think that, like, even though I, I trust in God and I know that he's going to be there for me, I still know that. You know, when I leave out, there's this, this world, there's, there's things going on, there's this disease, I'm stuck. You know, whether we know it or not, it affects us not to go in the house, and it affects us not to even go to church. Yes. So there's some things that stops us from from being uh, as free as we want to be. And that right there is an anxiety. We might not, you know, we might not feel the effects of it, but it's the inward anxiety that I think it affects, you know, it, 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 messes, it messes with us mentally. It does. And I, I sometimes can. I find myself not having nothing, not, you know, nowhere to go. And you you get tired of playing your songs. You know, you get tired of, you know, literally working out. Sometimes you get tired of watching. You want to venture yeah. somewhere to a social event, but there is no social event. And that so is the thing true. is, yep. So it, there's some anxieties. And so, yeah, you definitely do church, but I still think the church is, is uh, viable. Uh, you know, my church right now is not, in, you know, we're not having service. Because mm-hmm. of the virus, we we will wait and see thing until things get better. But then I, you know, there's some churches that I go to, like my son's church. I go there sometimes, and you know, when I go, there's a release, mm-hmm. and I leave feeling better. That I've been fed somehow. So yeah, right. it helps definitely. Thank you for that. So as a release, I know you used to do theater stuff and the singing and being Marvin Gaye. How did you get started doing that? Well. I got started in the theater. So, and it came from actually the churches. <laughs> I get blessed by the church and all things. I've always had an interest in theater, and I did a little bit in college and all that. Because, you know, and in high school, you know, I did a little bit. But then it, it wasn't a lot. But then I was in church, and through my singing, I, this this lady at the church said, my son's on, on, got a theater. I'm going to give you his name. That lady was Sister Mae Wilkins, mother oh, Mae wow. Wilkins, we call her. And then so she gave her son, Pastor Mike Williams, Pastor Mike Wilkins, my my number, or somehow we got in contact. He said, I don't know, I don't remember which way. But, and then next thing I know, I was, you know, I was doing the reading for his play. You know, I'm expecting to come in and do a bit part, do some singing, and, you know, just be a part of the production. Okay. Next thing I know, I was thrust into the lead role. <laughs> that sounds I was right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. All right, well, yeah, let's do it. Just, you know, I'm, I'm game. And so <laughs> that when I got into it, you know, a lot, a lot of people back then, people were hitting the theater very hard. I mean, we when we sold tickets, everybody came. It was mm-hmm. before we were parked, and we had to do the show over again. He did it again. We had, every time we did it, we, we had a full theater and so it was good and, and and I enjoyed myself so much, you know, the singing and the acting that uh, you know, 
you know, I got that's how it started. And so, wow, you've been doing it for a while now. Yeah, I've been doing it for a while. And that was, I'm gonna say, that was had to be about that probably had to be maybe ten years ago when I when I uh, wow. initially started. Yeah, within yeah, maybe more. Well, that was in about ten, I think. So you're also a writer. You're in a book. What's the name of the book that you're in? The Power Within. Power. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's the power within. I'm in that one. I know it's, it's okay. from, yeah. Okay. By, and what, that's that's you... by the same, uh, <laughs> you know, by the same right. Pastor Mike Wilkins, he, you know, is with the writing and everything, writing, acting. We've got, I've gotten into writing because I, even writing some, help him write with the play with the Spock. You, yes. Creative, you know, we do that. You know, so writing in plays, in the poetry and, and stories in the book. And, and helping out with the spot career when we come together as creatives and we sit down in the group and write these plays. I know. So, yeah. so it it's all, amazing yeah. what we come up with. It's a it's a beautiful thing, and it's it's the creative. You know, that's that's that is uh, my biggest high. I think is is crea- being creative. So, so, do you yeah. have anything upcoming projects? Anything that you're doing in the future? I know it's COVID, but people are still doing things out there. Anything you're about to to do? Well, we we do we're doing this, yeah, and uh, you know what I'm talking about. We're doing this the play, the uh, virtual play, virtual play online. The death of a side chick. Yes, on the and, twenty. Uh, that is the twenty fifth of September. That's next Friday, actually. Next Friday, and yeah, yeah. it's going to be kind of hilarious. And it is. Who done it? And it's for people to get on and you know check it out and see, try to see if they can figure out. Whose hands were dirty in the, in, in, in the <laughs> side, side. Yeah, it is definitely hilarious. So I yeah. want to thank you for being on my show. So I have this last question that I ask everyone. And I want to ask you, when it's all said and done, what legacy do you want to leave behind? That I'm somebody that contributed somehow to the general well-being of, 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 of people. I, I think that's the main thing I would like to leave behind that you know, I, I I left for good. You know, I did good things. You know, of course, we all done bad things, but I I want my. Uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm saying it like Martin Luther King said, "Let when when I leave here, let it be said that I I, I, I show love to somebody and I help somebody. I don't want to just be this person that was self centered and self interested and I want to just be, to be shown that this is what you got to do. You got to help people." If my legacy had to do anything, it's just that he was he when when someone when he, when I needed something, he was always there. He was there to help me if he could, and that's my that's what I would like it to be. That I'm here for people. Well, beautiful. Thank you again, Reverend Deloach, for being on my show again. Thank you for listening to What Happens in This House Stays in This House Truth Over Silence podcast. I'm your host, Tammy Montgomery Dozier. I can be reached at www.connectedbyloveconsulting.net. My email is Tammy M at CBL Consulting.net and my phone number is 773-251-5537.